0: A man making the ultimate sacrifice so that others may live. This is at the heart of the gospel. In Mark 10, verse 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, a ransom for many. It's that gospel message that gives us hope and encouragement for each new day. This is Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. We're glad to have you with us this afternoon as we again consider the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. Join us, won't you, as we again spend some time reflecting on God's Word, the Bible. Here's our pastor and teacher, Wes Breidenhoff.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Gospel Talk. glad that you've joined me once again as we together look at the riches of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, at the beginning of today's program, I want to draw your attention once again to the Gospel Talk blog. If you go online, you can go to gospel talk and you can find our archive of past programs. If you've missed a program, you want to listen to one again, or if you'd uh, like to leave a comment or a question, that Opportunity is there at the blog as well. Once again the address gospel talk radio.blogspot.com. You can also email me if you've got any comments or questions. My email address gospel talk at hotmail Once again, gospel talk at hotmail.com. Well this week on gospel talk, we're looking at Mark chapter eight verses twenty two to thirty. There we find the account of a blind man healed at Betsida and also the confession of Peter. Well, to begin with today, I'd like to read with you from Job 19. These are some beautiful words. You know, Job, he suffered so horribly, but yet he had this great hope. And he says it in verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Those words were spoken by Job and they expressed the hope of the resurrection. Job's hope was his firm confidence was that someday his body would be raised from the dead and that his two physical eyes would see Jesus Christ. And this passage that we're looking at here about the blind man being healed also points prophetically ahead to that great day. I'd like to read with you these verses once again. But our Lord Jesus says, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored, saw everyone clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. You see, this healing points ahead to the blessed day when there will be no blindness on the earth. In the restored and redeemed creation, every single human eye We'll see that it would see the way that it was designed to. You know, sometimes people have this idea that we're going to live into eternity as disembodied beings. You know, just pure spirit. That's not true. The hope of the resurrection is that our bodies will be raised from the dead, our souls and our bodies will be reunited again. We will have our eyes back exactly the way that they were, except glorified and improved. To, the, to perfection. Our eyes are going to work exactly the way that they were designed to. So if we've struggled with blindness here on this earth, we can be sure that in the age to come, on the new heavens and new earth, there will be no blindness. And that's also emphasized in Revelation 22, 3-4. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will see, serve him. They will see his face. We will all see him. Like I said yesterday, someday your eyes may fail you on this earth, and maybe they have already. And if they do, or if they have, you can be confident that someday you will see again. Because Jesus is your Redeemer, and your Redeemer lives. Your body will someday be like his glorious body. And that means that your sight will be restored to exactly the way that it was designed to be. What a wonderful hope that we have. What a confidence that we can have because of the gospel and so the lord jesus sent this man who had been healed back to his home quietly the man was instructed not to go to the village not to to tell anyone again for, for some reason this was a time for not telling far and wide about the lord jesus and his power and it seems to have a lot to do with the fact with that his date with death is quickly approaching And from Bethsaida, the Lord Jesus and his disciples head north towards Caesarea Philippi. And over the next few chapters in the gospel according to Mark, we see a lot of traveling taking place. Christ is moving around quite a bit and his disciples follow him everywhere he goes. He's on a journey and so are they. Many commentators see the journey as a sort of a a picture of discipleship. I, I I think that's accurate. I think that's in fact what's happening here. And then later on, after Pentecost, this is underlined when the, the Christian faith comes to be known by the early Christians as the way. It's the road, the journey. That's a picture of our life here. We are pilgrims on a journey. We can become very comfortable here in this, in this world, in our, our homes, our societies, everything around us. We're very comfortable and we got to remember that this world is not our home. We should never forget that. And the goal is to grow and to see more clearly as we travel on the way that we have a heavenly home that is waiting for us. We have the new heavens and new earth in the age to come. And as they were traveling on the way, the Lord Jesus asked those disciples a simple question. And it's a question that comes up time and again in Mark though not always in exactly this format, because it's, it's Mark's key theme. The key theme of the gospel, according to Mark, is the identity of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And Mark told us at the beginning in Mark 1 verse 1 that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so we know the answer to that question, or at least we should. But the disciples don't have the advantage of having the voice of a narrator in their living drama. And so at the end of chapter 4, when Jesus calms the storm, we hear the disciples asking among themselves, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Like I said, Jesus' identity, who is this, comes up again and again in the first half of Mark. And this passage that we're looking at here in Mark 8 is the turning point. The point at which his identity finally comes out into the open, at least among the disciples. Jesus asks the question, who do people say I am? He doesn't ask because he's particularly interested in what all the crowds think about him. His question has a deeper thrust. It's a question with an agenda. It's a question whereby he's trying to make a point. And the disciples go ahead and answer, and their answers are familiar because of what's in chapter 6 in the story of Herod. Mark told us back then already that the people were confused about Jesus' identity. There was no definite consensus on the details of who he was. And that's clear from the disciples' answer as well. Some think him to be John, John the Baptist. Others think him to be Elijah. And some thought he might be one of the other Old Testament prophets, maybe Jeremiah. But even though all those answers differed on the details, they did have one thing in common. Everyone agreed that he was some kind of prophet. But no one could seem to get beyond that. There was a sort of collective blindness that kept them in the dark. Jesus got this answer, and then he moved towards his real question. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? In other words, have you got it figured out yet? And remember the question at the end of the last passage in Mark 8, verse 21. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? How is it that you don't understand about all these things that I've been doing? Where are the disciples on the question of Jesus' identity? And Peter speaks up and he, he speaks on behalf of them all. He says, You are the Christ. He gets it. They get it. They finally get it. Their eyes have been opened to Jesus' true identity. He's not just a rabbi, he's not just a Jewish religious teacher with a lot of wisdom to offer, with a lot of insight into the Bible. He's not just a prophet. He's not just an ordinary man. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. That's what uh, the Hebrew word Messiah means. Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. And Messiah means the anointed of God. The Messiah was the one promised in the Old Testament who would come for the redemption of the people of Israel. The Messiah was the figure who would come for salvation. Peter and the other disciples have this breakthrough moment. and There are a few things we need to take away from this. First of all, notice how the crowds say one thing, but the disciples are finally led to say the right thing that they can't agree on the details, the crowds all agree that he's a prophet and nothing more. The disciples have come to the point where they can buck the trend, and they can confess Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ. And friends, if we are looking to Christ in faith, if we are resting and trusting in him, then we too are the disciples of the Lord Jesus. And we, too, we live in a world where, where by and large, people have the the same sorts of opinions about Jesus. Most of the world agrees that Jesus was a good man. Uh, Elton John was recently quoted as saying something along those same lines, except he added that Jesus was not only a good man, he was also a gay man. Of course, that's completely unbiblical. A lot of people will disagree on the, the details. They'll agree that Jesus was good. They can go with Elton John that far. And they'll disagree about whether or not the Bible gives an accurate picture of who he was. But mostly everybody will agree that he was a good man, a wise man. He had some good teachings. He had some good insights. You know, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Wow, who can disagree with that? Islam even says what the crowds of Jesus' day said. He was a prophet. Islam says that Jesus was a prophet, N- not the greatest prophet, not the final prophet. Of course, that was Muhammad. But Muslims say that Jesus was a prophet of Allah. And so Muslims respect Jesus as a prophet. They think that the, the Bible has been manipulated and, and twisted by Christians to suit their own agenda. So they don't take what the Bible says seriously about Jesus. They only take the Quran seriously. But they do respect Jesus as a prophet. They acknowledge him to be that. The world says one thing and it puts pressure on us. And you can find that pressure everywhere. The trend is there to see Jesus in a way that doesn't do him justice. Friends, we have to buck the trend. We have to keep going back to the word of God and what the word of God says about Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to do that tomorrow. We're going to continue looking at these passages and what it is we should believe about Jesus Christ. I hope today's message has been helpful for you, and I hope that God will continue to bless you richly in every way.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Gospel Talk. Today's broadcast comes to you courtesy of the Maranatha Canadian Reformed Church in Surrey. Located at 12300 92nd Avenue in Surrey, the Maranatha Canadian Reformed Church worships every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. You can find out more about the Maranatha Canadian Reformed Church at our website, www.maranatha-canrc.org. That website again, www.maranatha-canrc.org. If you'd like more information or you'd like to drop us a note of encouragement, you can email us at gospeltalk at hotmail.com. Again, that email address, gospeltalk, all one word, at hotmail.com. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-288-1087. Again, that number, 1-866-288-1087. We're glad you tuned in today, and we hope you'll join us again tomorrow at 2.45, right here on KARI. This has been Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff.